please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life. Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio. I'm Ken Smith. Sitting next to Ethan Broga. Good afternoon, Ethan. Hey, Ken. Ethan is a certified financial planner with a master's degree in financial planning and a regular on Empirical Investing Radio. Indeed. This show is designed to share with you prudent investing and financial planning advice to help you make a lifetime of smarter financial decisions. If you would like to call in during the program, please feel free to do so, and you can dial 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. We'll get you patched right in. If you have any questions, comments, or thoughts you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear it. We are broadcasting this live today, high atop the Empirical Tower, Ethan. That's right. Here in Seattle, where it's nice and cloudy as usual, <laughs> and not so nice out. But it's not bringing you down. Well, no, I, I understand we have a bit of a heat wave coming, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Are you going to get your swimsuit out? Actually, I will be. Oh. I'm going to the coast. Well, I'd like again. to be around when that happens, so give me a call. <laughs> you got it. You're going where? We're going to the coast this weekend. Oh, great. It should be lovely. Well, you are a mover and a shaker. Uh, if you want to send us an email throughout the program, go ahead and, or anytime throughout the week that uh, with a problem you're trying to, financial problem you're trying to solve, do so at empir- uh, contact at empiradio.com. That's contact at empiradio.com. Excellent. Ethan, before we get started with our uh, market analysis today, we're going to do a little market analysis, talk about fixed income. This is a huge area of concern for a lot of people, and yeah. rightfully so, and I, I really want to dissect this um, issue. But before we do, would you mind telling our listeners what we can do for them on a personal level and giving out and give out our personal contact information? Yeah, I think firm there's contact information. several things we could, we could, we could do. Um, if you're an individual investor out there and perhaps you're just looking for something simple like a second opinion on your existing portfolio, we, we'd happily go through that uh, with you, uh, give you our, our insight and, and uh, our take on what you have and man, if it's good or if it's bad or, or, or what. Um, if you'd like to, uh, uh, if you're looking for something a little more substantial, we also have, offer full financial planning. As well, and particularly if you're nearing retirement, um, there's lots of decisions that can be made during that period of your life uh, that are very, very important to get right. And I, I don't think there's any better uh, advisors out there than us that can help you with those decisions. Well, that's a bold statement, Ethan. I mean, we're very, we're very good at that. Um, if you're talking about some Social Security maximization, tax minimization strategies, understanding boy, what what withdrawal rates right for me, given my situation for my portfolio, we can answer all of those questions for you. You know, it's interesting. I was just meeting with someone today, this morning, Ethan, and, and they were asking, well, what, do you, what would you do for me? And, um, you know, for, for any of the 
any of the fee that I would pay to have an advisor like yourself, what would you do? And it's interest it's interesting when you think about how we've helped people over the past several years. And I and I was telling him, I said, you know, a lot of a lot of investors that come to us, um, mm-hmm. they'll ask that very question. And and in part it's a forward looking question because you don't know what the tax and the other regulations and rules or the different investment opportunities that we don't even know exist yet. Right. What we do know is what we've been doing with our clients in the past. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, you know, we, we look at the strategy and say, so we for the last several years you could have been taking advantage of this particular part of the tax code, taking advantage of this particular part of the investment world and the opportunities that have been out for some time to invest in a way with that might optimize or increase your return or reduce some of the unnecessary or unrewarded risk out of the portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very clear. But it's hard when some, if you don't know what you don't know. Totally agree with that. And if you don't know what you don't know, for example, you talk about Roth conversions all the time. Well, if you really weren't looking into that or aware of it, it's easy to think that you've got it all under control and that paying any kind of a fee, for example, would be, would be a bad investment. Right. Um, but that would only be if you didn't know that you could have saved you know, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime by taking each year. You know, it's, a, it's an expiring window of opportunity mm-hmm. to engage in certain techniques or strategies to save that money. And so you have to know that you missed out on it to know that there would have been value in having someone involved. I have a great example of that um a couple of months ago, I met with some folks who uh, were, were referred to me from an existing client. Um, we got together, and they were just looking really for uh, a one-time analysis, you know, basically a financial plan, a point in time for retirement purposes. And um, we went through that process, and they were very happy with the outcome, how things, how things looked. And they were currently working with um, the uh, wife's brother at another brokerage firm. And they were charging a very reasonable fee, actually half, about a half percent. And they were using ETFs and very pretty low-cost investments. And I looked at the structure, and it's very reasonable to what they have there. Uh, a little different than what we would do, not precisely what we would do at all, but in terms of the asset, the class exposures and uh-huh. so forth. But the main point is this. After going through our process and having really dived into their situation and all the many areas in which, hey, you, they need to be aware of to maximize their financial future that they didn't know, they decided to hire us. We're going to cost 1%. They're paying only half a percent now. They're actually going to increase what well, they're paying in total, but it's because obviously they're going to get a lot more out of it. Right. And I was able to demonstrate that through the financial plan that we, we, we did for them. They signed up this morning. I haven't even told you this this morning. Oh. They came in today. Well, that's great for news. This. It is great news, yeah. and that's exactly how it works. If you have uh, an in-depth analysis done, there are so many things to understand and know about taxes and investments and how they all work together along with your retirement. Uh, pensions, life insurance, um, social security, all those things add value if you know how to, how to tackle them. And like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And so until you go through it, you really don't know what you're missing. It's worth the opportunity. And for, for a company like ours, either we're not tying people into a lifetime of, you know, what's frustrating to me is when I see someone who's put into an annuity product that mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't appropriate or it wasn't especially it wasn't appropriate for the particular vehicle. Maybe they put it in an IRA account or right. uh, something tax-deferred vehicle that has an extra expense inside of a tax-deferred vehicle. And you really can't remember what was paid and, and what was put into that. I mean, you can get out of it, but there, for a great portion of that, you're, you're kind of stuck, um, particularly if it's a 
fixed annuity or something that you can't reverse. Right. Um, or in certain cases, I've seen people when the market was going through a difficult time in the stock market, they wind up putting things into some, beside an annuity, maybe it's a, a CD or it's something they can't get out without a significant penalty. Mm-hmm. But in what we are doing, um, we could do a lot of this work, which we do, and the client could walk away the next day and have really paid virtually no no fee to us. We right. don't, we're not selling loaded products or insurance products that carry some huge commission in them that it really doesn't matter, for example, what happens because we've already been paid and we can walk away. Right. It's a situation where you have to show that value over a period of time That's to right. earn it. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is something that you can walk away from easily if you don't see the value. Indeed, that's right. And that's why we would recommend working with, you know, it doesn't have to be us, but working with an advisor who, who is compensated in that, in that way in a very clear fee-only type of structure. Right. Yeah, and, and that does incorporate not just in the, the investment decisions, but boy, how does the investment decisions reflect upon the tax decisions? And then the, obviously the retirement decisions and so forth and so on. They're all interrelated. You talk about it frequently, the importance of coordination. And right. Any one idea may be great in isolation, but to maximize its effect, it's like an orchestra. You need everybody, all things working together. Don't you? You do, right? You do. That's how it sounds the best. And it works out best for, for clients, uh, for individuals who are doing it that way. But it's not easy. Not easy. I mean, we, we've spent a lot. We've spent a lot of years doing this, right? I mean, I, I know more today than I did twenty years ago when I started, right? Right. Of I course, hope I so. do. Hope so. Um, I didn't come out of fresh out of, out of college knowing everything I know today about how to do what we do. Uh, it's only come through you know experience and consistently trying to get better at what we do and learning about it and then practicing it and looking at looking up all the rules all the time. And, right. And pretty much you, then you figure it out. But if you're not not you haven't done that, you don't have the same level of expertise. And likely, more likely than not, most folks you're working with, if you're working with a, a, just a broker right now, they don't either because they haven't done the work. Well, Ethan, let's switch gears. All right. I appreciate that, that uh, explanation. And if, I, I would give you a call. <laughs> I would. Um, well, I appreciate that. Very nice. Did you give out the, the contact, direct contact information? I did not. I think we oh. should. The best, okay. best thing of all here. It was the longest intro we've ever done. I think about 10 minutes. <laughs> you can reach us directly here at the beautiful Empirical Tower, Towers in downtown Seattle at 206-923-3474. And Ken, I know you like to give out our 800 number for those who are further away. 1-800-923-4307. Currently, we have an office in Seattle, Tacoma, Portland, Oregon, Eugene, Anchorage, Alaska. We are within a week or two from a Phoenix location, and uh, we plan to continue that growth all over the country. So if you're not in our direct area, don't let that stop you from talking to us. We can certainly take care of you. Yep, and, or we'll, we'll be there soon. All right, Ethan, what we could do here is set up the situation so that when we come back from the break, we can start to tackle it, grapple with this. And uh, I was meeting with a client of ours yesterday to talk about the potential effects on a fixed income portfolio if, if interest rates begin. And we've seen it, we saw recently a bump in interest rates. I mean, right now, the uh, mm-hmm. 10-year treasury is yielding 2.47%. And uh, just one year ago, it was at a 
pretty pretty all time low, one point six six percent. Wow. Um, so we've had a about a almost a full percent, eighty one basis point increase in uh, the interest rate over last year. And and what you've seen in the bond market um, it was a dip in the in the value or the price of bonds. Noticeable dip um, for intermediate or long term bonds in the last couple of weeks. Uh, uh, very noticeable dip. So where we are, we, where we are with interest rates is still historically low. The average rate, if we took going all the way back as far as we can on ten-year treasuries, is around six and a half percent. But there were times where they you know, got close to twenty percent mm-hmm. in terms of yield, and then we are in recent times bumping on low. So. It's a valid issue for us to talk about, which is, hey, what do we do with the part of our money that isn't in stocks? What should we be doing with it? And the question I got today was, hey, if you had $100,000, what would you, what would you do with it? Um, that's a complicated question that goes beyond the bond. But <laughs> let's assume true. that that money wasn't going into the stock market. All right. So I thought, you know, when we, when we come back from the break, we could have a little discussion, Ethan, you and I. Okay. Couple of advisors and Lynn here, and and talk about you know first of all should should the decision between stocks and bonds be evaluated as a part of this interest rate cycle we're in, and uh, and then what with what isn't going into the stock market, how should we be thinking about the fixed income portion of our portfolio? What can we do to protect ourselves? First of all, let's we'll identify what the risk is. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk a little bit about that, and then we can just kind of go back and forth about strategies that we're can share some of the things that we're implementing here for our clients to help protect them through okay. through a potentially rising interest rate environment. I think that sounds great. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that? No, I think we should save that the rest of that for the uh, discussion we'll have. So I think that sounds good. I like discussions. The market was up again here today. Um, this day to day. Volatility never ceases to fascinate me. Ethan, we're up a another hundred and were we up a hundred and uh, fourteen. I, uh, I count on the Dow anyway. Yeah. Okay. To back above fifteen thousand at fifteen thousand twenty-four. Yeah. Oh, there's uh, right here on my sheet. Sorry. Sorry. Lynn did all that nice work, and I small caps up uh, are about one one and a half percent today. Looking at the ETF exchange traded fund internationals up about one percent as well uh, across the board. All right, well, let's take a quick break, Ethan, and then we'll start our bond discussion. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. 
We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Empirical Investing Radio, your host here, Ethan Broga, alongside my good friend, Ken Smith. We're going to be talking about some, uh, well, bonds mostly in this section of the radio program. I know, Ken, you had an interesting discussion with uh, a client of ours just yesterday, I believe, right? That kind of sparked uh, this uh, yeah. topic hey, for today? It's, it's nothing new. It's, it's something that we have to deal with that is a, going to be a difficult fixed income environment we are stuck in a low yield situation even at, with the with the tick here uptick in, in interest rates over the last year mm-hmm. it's from an all-time i mean we've got a floor of zero right and right we're bumping all over that close to that relatively uh speaking so how are we going to get return from bonds going forward you know that's the big issue or question Right. And so if rates didn't go, typically the, re- the reason why bonds have done very well over the last 20 years is we've had rates come down over the last 20 years, the, traje- the trajectory on, on the, on the right. rates. <clears throat> They've come down about you know 3.31% over the last 20 years if we looked at just the, um, the 10-year treasury. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, twenty years ago, it it, it was around six percent. It bumped up to eight percent uh, around nineteen ninety five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, from nineteen ninety five to now, I mean, you you had this. If you go to the uh, Treasury website, you can they've got all kinds of cool graphs and things you can track. You can track all the historical relationships on these treasuries. But I'm looking at the graph right now. Right. And we'll post up on our website. I'm going to have Eric write a little paper about all this. And, and so I would encourage you to just pull down and probably be in the research or the resource section. But uh, what you're looking at is it's a bumpy ride. It, you know, if you look at it, goes from 8 down to below 6 and then bounces back up to 7 and then then bounces around and gets down to around 4 and close to 1999, then bounces back up to almost 7. It doesn't move straight down or straight up. It's a bouncy ride all along the way. But you overall, you had this decline in rates to get down to that where we hit this 1.66, which is pretty close to the low, right? Right. Um, and now we're back up to 2.47. But over the last 20 years, we, we haven't been below 3% much at all. Right. And so you had, 
you have a situation, I think it's worth explaining a couple of terms here, Ethan, with the idea where if you have a longer duration bond, and duration is is a measurement that we use to get an idea of how sensitive the price changes would on our on our bonds are mm-hmm. to a, to a a move in interest rates. Right. And so, for example, if if you, I'm just going to plug in a couple of numbers here to, and so bear with me while I'm doing it. But if we were at at, at uh, say we were at eight percent, and we bought a, a zero uh, coupon treasury, um, the duration or the effective duration of that, because what it also, another way of looking at it is it's measuring the amount of time it takes you to recover your principal that you put into the bond. Mm-hmm. So if you had a zero coupon treasury, it means it doesn't pay interest till it matures. Right. And at that point, you get your interest and your, your coupon and your principal back. So it has, the duration is 20 and it's also very, very sensitive to interest rate movements. So if we had a, an 8% Treasury back then, and and uh, we bought that, and um, interest rates were to um, decline. Say it was overnight um, by five percent. Okay. How about we take a look at that? The value of our bond in that single year. If we held all of the other factors constant, we just looked at what the effect would be. You would have a hundred and eight, a hundred percent appreciation in the value of that bond. Does that make sense? So you have an eight percent, eight percent bond, and rates go down five percent. Yeah. Uh, and how long is the maturity? I use twenty. Oh, okay, twenty, right? You know, it's just a just just for giggles. Right. So your your fifty thousand dollar investment all of a sudden will be worth a hundred thousand bucks. Is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Overnight, because rates went down. So, so five years into it, you know, if you were to sell that bond, and mm-hmm. you'd have an annualized rate of return of around eighteen point five percent. Yeah, that makes good sense. So, so that I, I'm setting that up so you have an idea of, oh, wow, this this idea of duration and and the returns of bonds as interest rates are moving, um, you had this tailwind helping you, right. helping the investors for the last twenty years of it. Go ahead. And I think it's worth just be really super clear about this. The interest rates on the bonds and the market <clears> value of the bonds have an inverse relationship. Kind of like a seat opposite ends of a seesaw or a seahorse, right? Or a, not a seahorse. A seahorse. <laughs> I'm not sure what seahorses have to do with it. I think you've been like, out with the kids, haven't you? I've gone to the park a couple of times yeah. the last few weeks. But you know what I mean? A lot of seahorses. If, if rates, rates are, are moved downward, right? Prices move <laughs> upwards, right? And, and vice versa. So if you have a a bond yield, yielding 8% that you buy at a par, let's say, and, and rates go down 5%, well, the value of the bonds all of a sudden went up a ton. Well, let's reverse that. That's why you have the, the, the scenario. Over let's say instead of on that same bond, it started at 8%, that 20-year duration bond, right? I'm not sure how you're going to fit a seahorse into this conversation, Ken, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure we will. <laughs> uh, let's say we're swimming upstream. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and you're riding your seahorse. But you, um, we put 5%... We have, instead of the rates going down 5%, let's say the rates go up all at once today. Okay. We just bought the bond yesterday, and today they go up 5%. Right. Well, guess what? Now we see about a 92% loss in the first year on, um, on the value of my, of my bond. Wow. Um, it's a huge, huge impact. 
for that that type that that type and and um, I'm sorry for that type of bond. Mm-hmm. So because really you have, I mean, and ultimately you'll get your your principal back. But if we were just looking at the effect, you know, in duration, it's not a perfect. It's not a perfect measurement. Like the the more the interest rate changes, the less perfect that relationship works out to be. But if you if you thought for each one percent, if I had a duration of twenty as, as an example, for each one percent move in interest rates, the concept is is well, then I would have a twenty percent move in the price of the the bond. Mm, right. So theoretically, right, five times twenty would be a hundred, but you're going to get some yield on the bond. So it doesn't, you can see that the issue, you know, if it was a 20-year bond and you were, that was at 8%, we had a 3% increase, um, you know, the effect would be a 60, almost a 60% um, decline. And so it's going to, it's going to have a huge impact. And so when, when people were talking about a bond bubble or where's the risk of bond, well, there's a huge amount of risk. Let's let's switch this data over to to where we are today. And just give me a second, Ethan, if you have anything to say while I'm plugging it in, that would be a good time. <laughs> well, I was thinking of this uh, as we're talking here. You, know, you, you, couldn't, you can't go out today, typically. I mean, I guess, I guess it's possible. Maybe in a high-yield bond or something, they'll, you can get a an 8% yield or something on a, at par for a high-yield bond. Um, but typically, if you own, let's say you bought an 8% bond you know, a few years ago when you could get 8% bonds on, say, you know, medium-grade corporate debt, something like that, for 20 years, um, that bond has appreciated significantly between now and then. So in other words, if you, let's say you bought a bond for 100 bucks, well, today that bond is not worth 100 bucks; It's worth probably 160 bucks. So if it drops 60% as rates go up, in this case 5% on an 8% bond, you may lose 60% of the value, but that's of the current value. Uh-huh. So you're losing, say, 60%, or let's call it 50% for easy math. That bond is no longer worth 100, 160 bucks. It's only going to be worth half that, about 80 bucks okay. at right now. So it's, it's not a, a function of purely just it's going to go drop and be worthless, right? So that's not, not exactly the case. Well, no. Because likely the bond is already worth more than par value. And also the, the bond eventually, unless the bond issuer defaults right we'll pay yeah and bonds if they come tend to come in increments of 100 being par right the value if even if the bond declines you will if if you hold the bond till maturity and we'll talk about this more as we progress you'll get your hundred dollars back you know if you put a thousand dollars into the into a bond Mm -hmm. and interest rates did shoot up so you know, if, if you let's take a look at this ten-year um, Treasury scenario right now, the yield we said was two point four seven, and I'm just putting in a duration of ten. It's it's not. I know it's not correct, but I'm just want to keep the math simple. Mm-hmm. If it had a duration of ten, and and we had this three um, percent, if if from tomorrow we wake the, we wake up and look at the market and interest rates jump three percent. You'd have a fifteen percent decline in the value of that bond, right? Does that make sense? And but, however, you if you held the bond to maturity, you'll get your thousand dollars back, and you will get the interest payments. You know, your yield to maturity will be the two point 
seven percent. Mm-hmm. Um, now the issue, and you'll be reinvesting those coupon payments at a higher rate. By the way, that's right. Um, so, sorry, somebody was just walking by here. I think. Um, so my my point with that, and your point is well taken. That hey, it's it's not it's not that. But if you did sell the bond the day after, so yeah. you call and say, hey, I, I'm panicked. I got to get out. Then you will realize an actual loss. You know, of you you'll realize that loss of fifteen percent um, because you haven't even held it long enough to earn any real interest. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Um. So what I was pulling up is now. Now let's look at the yield on the five-year treasury is about one point three eight percent. And if if we uh, put the duration of that at five again, just to keep it simple, you're saying, well, I'm I'm getting less of a, of a yield right now. I'm accepting less yield, but I have a shorter maturity on the bond. Now what happens if interest rates go up? One percent, and then they say the same the rest of the nine years. If tomorrow they went up on a five-year bond, you would see a, about a five percent decline on from the interest rate factor. You would expect that to be, and your your return at the end of the ten years would be somewhere around one point seven six percent. So it's actually higher than the one point three percent three point eight one point three eight percent yield mm-hmm. because hey after it goes up I'm 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 earning in my bond portfolio just, say this is a bond I'm reinvesting at a higher rate right um and and so I'm I'm getting the benefit of that that makes sense okay if if it was the the 10 year now instead um I wind up with a 2.31% return over the whole 10 years instead of my 2.47, for example. Mm-hmm. And this is very simple. Um, and I experience a, a, a negative um, 10% drop right off the bat. Um, so where, where it gets trickier now is that's, that's if we just had a, a 1% move. But let's say that you think, well, we're going to go back to, from 2.47 up to... Um, you know that six percent. We're gonna we're gonna reverse. Oh, we have to take a break already. All right, we'll we'll take a quick break and then we'll we'll get back to this. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. 
Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. All right, we're back. Empirical Investing Radio. Your co-host here, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith. Um, kind of wrapping up, or, or I'm not sure wrapping up, Ken, but um, furthering our bond conversation. Yeah, we, we need to get back to the bigger picture. I think that'd be a good idea. So we were just defining this idea of duration and how, how when you have a long maturity, there's a lot of risk, but that risk is diminished by shortening up the maturity of the bond portfolio. Right. And Not you true. wanted to... Retrace here now. Why, why do we own bonds in the first place? Yeah, what's the role of bonds in a portfolio? And then further, what's the role of bonds in a portfolio in interest rate environment like this? Right. That's, that's right. A, those are good things to discuss. Um, you know, for us, I think just in, in, in general terms, one reason why we have bonds in the portfolio is to dampen equity volatility. Right. Um, if stocks are, are very volatile, they go up and down quite a bit. Their swings can be large at times, as we we all know. Um, well, bonds don't don't generally behave like that, particularly if they're shorter term. Right. And so, what the, what that allows you to do in general is that, well, if you choose between cash and midterm or short term bonds, well, you're taking a little more risk there in the bonds than cash, and certainly you would expect to have a return there because of that, right? Mm-hmm. Just like you expect to have a higher return in stocks over time relative to short or midterm bonds. There's just more risk over time. You get rewarded for that extra risk. Um, but also importantly, the bonds don't behave like stocks. So typically, anyway, if, if stocks decline, well, bonds don't generally decline shortly, certainly as much if they're shorter term. That means you can do things. You have more flexibility, particularly if you're taking withdrawals, as an example. If stocks have declined in the last 12 months, uh, your bonds haven't. Maybe you know they've been flat or maybe they've even gone up a little bit. Well, gee, you can, you can tap into that piece of the portfolio if you're taking money out of the portfolio. And also, you can obviously sell bonds at that point to buy stocks when they're cheap. So there's always a role for that. In the big picture, that's how they fit into a portfolio. They help give you uh, more more bang for your risk buck, as it were, Right. in general. If you have the time frame and you have the faith in the in the growth of the global economy uh, and and the market participants, then stocks have generated a higher rate of return. Undoubtedly. And so they are my preferred vehicle for beating inflation, and accumulating wealth over long periods of time. Not getting rich quick, right? but preserving and growing real wealth over a long period of time. However, if your time frame is not extremely long, or you do not have the psychological comfort with the volatility that's inherent in stocks, mm-hmm. the, 
bond component should be there as a stabilizer and in addition to help provide uh, in the income distribution years to have a, a stable vehicle that we can pull either liquidating or through the interest payments combination of both principal and a stream of income without having to sell down stocks as they're declining. Right. If we happen to be going through, which most of us, if we know our market history, if we have a, the, the, we retire somewhere between 60 and 70, we're going to go through a market downturn, mm-hmm. an equity market downturn. And it's impossible, as you know, to perfectly or even uh, with moderate success predict the sure. tops and bottoms right. of equity markets. And so a, a better approach and uh, I don't care what you read in the, the general financial media or what some, uh, in my view, less than ethical investment advisors or brokers will tell you that that this idea um, of the the premise of, of you know, modern portfolio theory has failed and we have to look at this completely new <laughs> approach to it is the same garbage people have said every single time that we have some kind of a market decline. It's It's nonsense. And uh, it's they, they have no no empirical or sound support for that. And not only that, but nobody has ever should have ever thought that the markets couldn't go down systematically around the world. I mean, that's just something that will happen, right? But do we expect to have you know a, a, that type of decline in in every period of time? Well, probably not. But there will be other mar- general market declines. And so that's why you need to have the fixed income in there. But I, I can a lot of investors get antsy because while they may realize that in the beginning, hey, we need some fixed income to offset this stock market volatility. And you bring up a good point that, hey, we can utilize that to when stocks do poorly, we can just the, the system of rebalancing that we'll do will will do counter to what the average investor who's underperforming mm-hmm. Does will be buying stocks and will be pulling it out of fixed income, which usually has done reasonably well during a market stock market downturn. Right, and, and right now we're talking about bonds as if they're all the same as well, right? But that's not a, not true at all. Uh, much like the equity side of the portfolio, like in our case, we have 15 different asset classes that we utilize in an equity portfolio. Well, there's many different bond asset classes, not quite as many as 15, but at least five, right? Four or five different bond asset classes, and they range in they range in credit quality, and they also range in, in maturity. So some are very short-term, some are, are mid-term, some are TIPS, you know, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, some have credit risk, some don't. All those different things are going on there. So those different asset classes behave differently, even over the same periods of time. Right. So like in the last month, as an example, clearly the, the least risky bonds over the last month have done the very best, Right. That's right. When all other bonds have been dropping. So therefore, that's, that's the beauty of a, of a diversified portfolio. It isn't just like you're buying bonds and then say all bonds are equal. There's lots of different types. And because there's different types, you can spread the risk around. So if you had to make a change in a portfolio, let's say I need some cash out of my, my portfolio in the last, in last month, um, and I have a half bond, half stock portfolio. Well, gee, I would have taken it probably from one of two asset classes in this period of time. That would have been either U.S. stocks, who they actually did reasonably well in the last last month or so relative to others, or among the bonds, I would have sold, if I need to cash, my very shortest-term bonds over the last three, uh, you know, last 30 days or so, because those things hadn't gone down at all. And, and so, Ethan, um, let's talk about this then in, in the terms of if, if you are 
if you have the time horizon, um, I, I, don't, I believe this is a reasonable time to be on the heavier side of your equity allocation. Yes, I would agree. Because of the fact that you've got this low interest rate environment, uh-huh. and there's no way out of it except up, right? Eventually, yes. There's no way to get out of a low bond, overall bond return, other than taking what speculative risk to chase yield, which we've talked about repeatedly is a horrible idea. So if I, because there's no single perfect portfolio of stocks to bonds for right. each person, I don't believe in these hard fixed age-based rules. They're good guidelines, mm-hmm. um, but they're better guidelines in terms of managing the risk. Hey, what's my time horizon mm-hmm. or how much do I need to pull? Okay, what should my maximum equity exposure be then? You know, if I had one year, how, how right? That in in that sense, it makes a lot of sense. But if the time horizon is theoretically infinite, if I'm going to pass on a portfolio to mm-hmm. to a legacy mm-hmm. goal I have, then I can look at my portfolio. I, I have the greatest amount of options in the way I look at that. And right now, I can make a decision between owning stocks and bonds and stocks. Um, if, if we look at what the what the possibilities are, if I was picking between ten year treasuries or CDs or over the, it's a risk I would be willing to take. Um, that stocks aren't crazily overvalued by by normal measures. So one thing I could do would be to allocate some of, uh, to the higher end of my tolerance threshold on equities. Right, I think that makes good sense. The other thing that I need to be consider considering that's. Well, we, we were going over a simple exercise of duration. I think that's so you understand where the real risks lie, right, in terms of interest rate risk. But what I can do what, and what's important to understand is the difference between time-weighted returns and what's referred to as dollar-weighted returns. Mm-hmm. And time-weighted returns would be I buy one bond or one bond portfolio today, and then 10 years from now, what's my, what, what, what was the return? Dollar rate of return, say, well, what if I had the ability to add money into that or dollar cost average into a particular investment? I'll be doing that at, over the course of the entire period. And what's my what's the real return then on, on my dollars that I put in? Mm-hmm. If I had you know, $10 and I put $1 in each year into something, it's not the return. The time weighted would say, well, what's the return of just the first dollar you put in? Tracking the dollar weight would say, well, no. What's the, what's what's the return on each dollar over the period? I put in ten. Maybe there's fifteen at the end. Okay, well now I can calculate what my actual return was. Mm-hmm. And why is that important? You're asking, Ethan. I can see it on, in your eyes. Do I have a puzzled look on my face? Mm-hmm. You're gazing deeply uh, into my. So, well, the, why that's relevant is that you have the ability as interest rates do increase to be alloc- reallocate away back back away from equities and towards fixed income. So if if rates did shoot up tomorrow to 8% for example on fixed income, mm-hmm. you have the ability within a balanced portfolio to say, well, now I relative to my equity part, uh, fixed income looks more attractive and I'll reallocate down and I'll I'll put some of it towards my fixed income portion, which would offset the potential loss of having all money into one those bonds at one time, um, and that tends to happen when if you think about this idea of rebalancing in a context of equities historically have tended to do well coming out of low interest rate environments. For example, if the, the economy. The, why are we? Why are people worried about this in the first place? It's because 
and Bernanke saying, hey, well, wait, we're going to slow things down. Why? Because it seems like we have some kind of recovery. Right. And if we continue to have a recovery, stocks will continue to do well. Mm-hmm. Earnings will go up. Uh, and and we'll be back on a happy trouble. If that happens, the stock part of my portfolio is going to get heavy as interest rates are going up, and my bonds aren't really doing a whole lot at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need to rebalance anyway. So I'd be selling stocks as, after they've done well, and I'd be putting to fixed income, but it, it will likely be then I'll be putting those dollars in at higher rates, which would, again, the concept of this dollar cost averaging is that you're not having all your money go in at one point. Um, if you have market with stocks, right, the benefit is, hey, markets dip, you're buying at lower prices, mm-hmm. and those dollars are getting lowering your average price that you paid, mm-hmm. so that when the market ultimately gets back, goes to some point, some future higher level, um, you, you have a, a, a greater return right. than if it had all gone in at once, and then the market declined and did what it's going to do. So it's something, now, if you take that and, and break it down even further, you alluded to the point that, well, we don't put it all into one type of bond. Right. So you know, we're probably going to have to take a break, but when we come back, I want to really dissect that component and say, hey, what, what vehicles do we have, some that we didn't have in the past to to help fight um, the potential consequences of interest rates increasing? Right. And how can we use that as a framework also to take advantage of opportunities within those different types of bonds. So, yeah, if interest rates do, do go up, um, it may affect different parts of the bond market in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we'll take a quick break. When we get back, we'll, we'll kind of pick up on that. I think this will be our last segment, so we'll, we'll try to bring a little clarity to what it all means. All right, sounds like good. Say. We'll take a quick break, Empirical Radio, and... Uh, We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, Portfolio Manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan. Okay, we're back at Empirical Investing Radio. Uh, your host here, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith. Thanks for joining us today. This is our, our last segment. We'll be finishing up, hopefully, uh, I think, with uh, some clarity on, on the wrap-up of our bond discussion. Well, that's, that's a certainty, Ethan. Exactly. And uh, you know, we're just <laughs> trying to help you, trying to share ideas on, on uh, how to help you protect what you've worked so hard to, to save. And uh, <clears throat> we're not spending a lot of time talking about, again, not chasing yields because – We've talked about that quite a bit. If you've listened to any of the other programs, but um, what we were ta- what we were going to talk about, Ethan, is how to tie this together. What tools do we have to help manage through um, through this interest rate environment okay. until we get back up to some historical average yields? Mm-hmm. Um, and we had talked about the fact that we can adjust. We have control. We can adjust our allocation between stocks and bonds. That needs to be done within a prudent context. My advice is with your advisor and a financial plan mm-hmm. that you've done and a keen understanding of your tolerance um, for, the, for the risk or the volatility in the stock market. We talked about how just the general rebalancing, even if you didn't change your stock-to-bond ratio, but just the general rebalancing should work to your advantage as we go through an increase in, in interest rates because you'll be pulling money out of stocks. If bonds drop, they need to be rebalanced. You're going to be buying them at higher yields. Mm-hmm. That that was the idea behind this dollar-weighted return versus time-weighted, mm-hmm. that you'll have the ability to offset some of that if you do have a decline. Now, we want to keep the, the we do want to keep the maturities below, average maturity of our bond portfolio below five years because research has shown us uh, that if you look at the empirical data, you don't get a whole lot of extra return anyway by extending the maturities out to, like we were saying, 20 years or 30 years. Um, It's not a great deal for the average investor. It's certainly not a great deal today in our current environment. But there should be no panic if you've got a a, a bond portfolio with a maturity of five years or less. You shouldn't be worried or or sweating about interest rates too much. There's still going to be some decline there, but it's it's nothing that you won't get through. Right, and I would point out on that end, you know, if you have, we don't know exactly when rates will go up. But I'm sure that they will, but I don't know with any precision when that's going to occur. Just like I know stocks are going to go down sometime, but I don't know when that's going to occur. And without the, the actual timing of the event, I can't profit from that information, right? Right. I, I just, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so therefore, you should admit to yourself that, A, you don't know when rates are going to go up. I, I know people who have been in cash for, for four years. That should have otherwise been in bonds with that money and lost out on about 5% per year for the last four years because they didn't have it invested because they're concerned about rates going up. Right. Well, it hasn't happened yet. And you need to – I know I was saving you the pain of me going through a whole long list of interest rate scenarios. Yeah. We, we, we wanted to stop that, <laughs> and I appreciate that, Ethan. But you need to know what you don't know again. If you right. don't even know what the effect – First of all, what do you think interest rates are going to do? What trajectory are they going to take? 
And then second, do you understand what that would do to the portfolio, like over the whole investment time? And if, if you don't, you're really making decisions without the, the information you need. Right. You know, if I, the person I was sitting with, I said, well, actually, if you weren't going to touch this bond stuff for 10 years, the best thing that could happen would be that rates go up very quickly at once. And then we, you, you, you re, you're reinvesting at a higher rate for the, for the rest of the nine years. <laughs> you're putting money into bonds at a much higher interest. Right. But it, you may not understand that relationship. Sure. Okay. So, okay. Well, and, I, I think part of yeah. it because once if rates go up, oh, I think, oh, it's a permanent loss. But that isn't true. Like no. you said, rates go up. Guess what? Rates go up and you get more yield for future investments. So the tools we have, Ethan, you know, what, what do we – now we, we talked about the rebalancing. Well, one of the things you can do to design your portfolio is to have some government bonds, which are pretty credit risk-free for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. You can look at the corporate bond market. You can look at municipal bonds. You got a lot of different sectors of bonds. If you're in a high tax bracket, municipal bonds or tax-free bonds tend to make more sense. You've got investment-grade corporate bonds. You've got high-yield corporate bonds, and then you've got you've got um, tips, Treasury uh, inflation-protected securities. They're an interesting tool that we didn't have a long time ago to fight a rising in, uh, a rising in, in inflation. Um, scenario and right now the way the tips are, are priced, um, you need about uh, we need about an over the ten year tip, one point nine seven percent inflation a year. Wow! To break even with just buying the nominal treasury, the the regular treasuries at two point four seven. The, the yield on the ten year now is half a percent. So if we had zero inflation for ten years, your your return would be a half a percent on that. The likelihood of that, though, you have to be realistic. If you're worried about interest rates going up, and again, why would why is the why would right? What what are the inter the connection between that? And I was saying, what is what's the likelihood, even when we're on the break, of having a zero inflation rate but having interest rates go through the roof? <laughs> I would say the likelihood's very low. Right. Right. So so you have a vehicle that inherently has some. Interest rate protection. It's not a variable rate right. fund, right. but it inherently has that because they tend to to go not in perfect lockstep, but they they tend to correlate, have a high correlation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, we we all know we know the history of, of rates back in the late seventies, early eighties. Boy, eighteen percent rates, right? Mortgages were something like fifteen percent or something like that. Well, I mean, wh- we all remember that, but what was inflation at that time? Well, guess what? It was 18%. Yeah, guess what? It was incredibly 20%. high. Very, very high. And that's exactly why rates went up. And, and Paul Volcker... Go to that treasury side I was telling you yeah, about. And you can you'll pull see the CPI history and lay it over the 10-year treasury. And you will see a, a, a strong relationship. That's the tool that the Fed has is to raise rates to combat inflation if it's high. So right now, when you're own, if you, in our portfolios, we include these. If we were going to be more aggressive... And we have a lot of different models that we use, and it's important, again, to understand why and where you would use these models. But you might even look into other areas like emerging markets debt, foreign government debt. Now, there's a difference between bond funds that hedge out the currency, so there's no currency fluctuation risk. And mm-hmm. so really there, you're, again, dealing with the other types of bond risk. Mm-hmm. And bond funds that have note that aren't hedging out the currency in heaven could be incredibly volatile because currency exchange rates can be volatile. So you, you need to be very aware which ones you're, you're dealing with there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but you do have the, 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 tr- the tools that we didn't have a long time ago to look at bonds on a global basis to diversify globally when it makes sense to do so. Um, you also have the ability to look at variable rate bond funds. Uh, you have to be very careful with these, and we won't have time to go into deep detail today on these uh, if that was something that you want, wanted to look at. But if you look at these um, different asset classes, Ethan, just because the if the federal Fed funds rate goes up, it doesn't mean that in every single one of these these bond asset classes that they will respond proportionally. Right. Um, the spread between corporate bonds and treasuries can narrow. They can become very close together. For example, right now we're looking at uh, just AAA, 10-year AAA corporates 3.11. And where your ten-year treasury, we were saying, is about two and a half. So, it's a maybe sixty basis point spread between those two. Well, it could widen. It could be at some point it might be two percent. Mm-hmm. It, it's really about investor preferences and their viewpoint about the risk of the corporates. You know, are these corporates when when people see a lot of risk like during the crisis, the spread got really wide. Right. Um, so, if you're monitoring that, you have the ability. To make adjustments between, you, you can rebalance. You know, if you had five different asset classes, short-term corporates, a little bit longer-term corporates, but not long, long-term, but like, say, intermediate, mm-hmm. short-term, high-yield, um, intermediate, high-yield. You had some emerging, even emerging markets uh, or foreign government bond debt in there. And then you had your, your treasury, short and intermediate. The average duration of that, might come out to four years because you're managing yeah. the way you mix those. Right. But they're going to year to year over year, they're going to all behave differently. And so you have those levers to pull. You can adjust that. You exactly. can adapt that. Exactly. I think we're out of time, Ethan. Already? I had a few more things to say. Oh. But uh, we'll tune in next week and we'll, uh, we'll talk more about this. All right. Sounds good. Thanks again for tuning in Empirical Investing Radio. And again, if you want to get a hold of Ethan or I during the week, call us at one 800 923-4307 here at the Empirical Office. Have a great week. We'll, we'll see you later. We hope you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week. 